Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. So this is our next in the series that we've started doing on rest. Um, we introduced a series a couple of weeks ago looking at Jesus' amazing invitation in um, Matthew 11, 28 to 30, where he invites us all to come and bring him our burdens, our weariness, and he will give us rest. He will take that away and, and give us a yoke that's easy and light. And so we're, we're looking at rest and um, hoping to, to, to do some, some stuff on this over the coming weeks. And I think the thing, thing about rest and, the, and living a life from a place of rest, which is what this is about, is that there's no sort of life hack or there's no like technique you can just sort of put into place. There are helpful things you can do, but it's not about sort of cracking some code to, 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 to absolutely ace your life through this 21st century world. Um, it is essentially about cultivating a close relationship with the one who is the source of all rest. It's really very, very simple. Jesus invites us, as we were saying last time, it's just remarkable. He invites us into the same relationship that he has with his Father. You know, he said, I and the Father are one. And, and, and that's the invitation of, 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 of the gospel of Jesus, is that he's saying to everyday ordinary people like us, whoever we are, come, come be included in this. Come be reunited to the source of, of, of all love and of all creation which is your Father in heaven who made you. Come, be reunited. Come, be reconnected. Come, be rehumanized. That's what it's about. Rest means, means being a human being as we were created to be, which is uh, have, being in that place of close relationship with God. It means complete dependency on God. It means full intimacy with God. And with that, utter contentment and that's something that we all like in our life and that that is the invitation that we have to come and rest and today what we're going to be doing is hopefully if we get the chance in this series we are going to be looking at some practices and some techniques that are given by God and that Christians have used throughout the centuries, which are full of godly wisdom, that can help us to remain in God's rest. But today, really, what the focus is, we're looking at the ongoing orientation of our heart. Okay, so it's a heart message today. Just like last time, we were looking at how we enter the rest. This time, we're looking at how we continue walking in that rest by attending to the ongoing orientation of our heart. The Bible says the heart is the wellspring of life. It's the centre of who we are. It's our secret motive chamber. It's the place within us where our will springs from. And, and God says, guard that, because it's, it's where life springs from. So the heart is important. And this is, this is really a simple message we're going to be looking at. It's from Psalm 16. So if you, if you like to follow with the Bible open, Psalm 16 is your passage. We're going to be looking at that a bit, as well as um, looking at some other references as well. But in Psalm 16, verse 5, David says, Lord, you alone are my portion. Lord, 
You alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. Now, we're probably familiar with this phrase, but it is a quite a strange phrase. What does it mean that God is our portion? It's not just here that this is mentioned. There's other Psalms as well. There's Psalm 73, 26. There's Psalm 142, 5. And there's Lamentations 3, 24, all passages where the writer describes God as their portion. Strange one. We're going to open up what that means. But first of all, just, just want to say, let's be honest here. Being human, being a human being is a vulnerable experience, right? We might feel strong sometimes. We might feel like we can take on the world. I mean, I've lived for just over four decades now, and um, I I think the older that I've got, the more that I've felt vulnerable, I'd say. The more that I've recognised my own frailty, the more that I've recognised my own um, mortality. When I think of how I think about these things now compared to 20 years ago, you know, I think I I, I was young, I felt indestructible, probably the classic thing that you do when when you're young. Um, and I just think, as, as I've grown, I've realised more and more, life is vulnerable. I am mortal. Time is short. Those kind of things. And what that means is, when we, when we realise that, when we realise our own weakness, when we realise our own frailty, at those times there's something deep within us that yearns for and that searches for Security. Security is the thing that we need. If, if, if you're not the king of the universe, and if you're not the centre of the universe, and if you realise that you're actually very small and very insignificant in the great scheme of things and very weak and frail, what are you going to cling on to? You need something to cling on to, right? You need, you need like that driftwood in the, in the stormy seas, or you need that level ground where your feet are going to slip. You need something to anchor you. You need to know that you are secure. It's a basic human need and the thing is is that we were designed to know that security from one place and one place only and that place is God and that's what David is proclaiming here right he is saying you're my portion Lord my security is firmly rooted in you look at what he says as he starts the psalm in verse 1 he says keep me safe O Lord For I have come to you for refuge. What a great prayer. What a humble prayer. This is David in the desert, you know, being chased by people who want to go after his life. And he's realising his frailty. He knows God's called him to be king, but he's feeling very frail. He's not feeling strong. What a brilliant example for us. I come to you for refuge. What a great prayer for us to pray. At the moment, Esme is walking around the house um, singing, which she does a lot, which we all do a lot in our house, but it's surprising. But, um, she's singing this one particular song, Girl on Fire by Alicia Keys. <laughs> she loves it. She melts it out all the time around the house, um, which is kind of nice up to a point, and then it starts to get her. Anyway, it's a great song. She's, she's a great singer, so that's lovely. But... My favourite Alicia Keys song is actually If I Ain't Got You. Anyone with me? Sing it. 
<laughs> I'm going to sing it. It is a wonderful song. It's one of my favourite songs, and I think the reason why it's one of my favourite songs is it's kind of song like, well, you can tell I'm feeling emotional today, but when I listen to it, it makes me emotional, it makes me weep. And I think it's because it's what expresses, it expresses something of this stuff. Some people want it all, but I don't want nothing at all if it ain't you. That's basically what David's saying. I don't want nothing. Some people want diamond rings. Some people just want everything. But everything's nothing if I ain't got you. Your portion, if you think about a portion, you know, obviously it's a food analogy, isn't it? It's to do with food. Um, but it's like, if you look up the dictionary definition, it, there's a sense in which it's like your destiny like your lot in life. You know, when your cake is sliced out, your portion is the bit you get. And obviously, all of us can define that in different ways, can't we? We can define it in terms of our, where we were born, what our parents were, you know, what kind of wealth or lack of wealth we were born into, what skin colour we were born into, whether we were born into privilege, whether we were born into poverty. All of those things are like, in a way, the slice that we get a portion from life. But it's the wonderful thing about this is that whoever you are, you, if you're a human being, you're designed for God to be your portion. Isn't that good news? The Hebrew word for portion uh, has to do with a rational part of something divided, obviously, like this. Um, the other way that it's sometimes translated is, is inheritance. God is my inheritance. And inheritance in the Old Testament, in Old Testament Israel, was something very significant because God had promised Israel the land, right? He said, I'm going to give you the promised land. And they'd been, they'd been a people in slavery. They hadn't had any rights. They hadn't had any possessions or land. They'd been owned by another power. And then God brought them out mightily through the Red Sea, through the desert, and into the promised land. And the land was their inheritance. It was very important to them. It was their allotment as they entered the promised land. You can read about it in, in books such as Numbers and Joshua. And obviously, you know, in Hebrew society, this was very important because it, 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 meant, it meant security. That's the thing. If they got the land, they got the security that, that met that need within them. It also meant provision, it meant prosperity, it meant blessing. You know, the continuation of your clan, those things were so important within um, that society. But then in the New Testament, this is, this is broadened out and, and applied in a more theological, kind of broader way. Through Christ's redemptive work, believers are now children of God by adoption and fellow heirs with Christ to a new inheritance. An eternal inheritance talks about in Hebrews 9. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a down payment, like a deposit, guaranteeing that inheritance. So if we have the Holy Spirit, it's like a, an assurance and knowledge that, that we have got that eternal inheritance. And this inheritance is something that's for all people, whether you're you know, ethnically Jewish or whether you're what they called a Gentile, someone who was outside of Judaism, it includes all of the kingdom of God with all its blessings, both presently and in the future. 
In other words, boiling this down, it's saying your inheritance is God is my portion. All of these blessings all flow essentially from having God, from being in Christ, from being reconciled to God through Jesus, from being adopted as his son. So in the spirit we cry, Abba, Father. We can relate to God in a completely new way as Father. And that all comes through what Jesus has done, which is why we worship him and sing about him this morning, because it's amazing and it's completely transformed us. And it's not for us, just for us, it's for everyone. It's for everyone in the entire world, whatever background they're from, whatever tribe, whatever language, whatever country. This message is a truly universal message for all people. Come, be reconciled to God. Come, have those burdens taken off and have that that window to the Father opened up through Jesus so that you can know him. So God is our portion. Relevance, relevant to us. And, you know, we all eat, we all sit down with a plate in front of us and, uh, and, and, and enjoy food. And so, you know, the this idea of a portion is something that we can all kind of visualise. And the thing about God being our portion is that it's, he's enough. God is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. He himself is enough for us. Which sounds a bit strange. Like, well, obviously, he's, he's the mighty God who made everything. So if he's giving you himself, of course he's going to be enough. But really, really and truly, he's enough. He alone is enough for you. That's the message. He alone, God himself, actually him, is enough for you. Every single one of us. Not, not just the blessings that he gives. He himself. Full intimacy. Complete dependence. Complete connection to our entire source. This is, this is a baby bear portion. Okay? It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's not too much. It's not too little. It's not got some things on the plate that we like and some things that we don't want to leave. It's enough. It's enough to nourish us. It's enough to feed us. It really is enough. So trying to think, trying to think practically, because I imagine that for most of us here, for many of us at least in the room, you know, this would be something that you, you think, yeah, I agree with this, I know this, you know, I'm a Christian, I've been following God, I know this is true of me, I know this is how I want to live. Just trying to dig, get below the surface here. Like sometimes we can profess it, can't we? But sometimes it's not really scratching the surface. Sometimes it's not really going deep in our lives, and that's what I think God wants to wants to wants to do this morning. Wants to wants to go deep again into us because if if we do go deep in this, we will know that rest. So. Practically, trying to be as practical as possible, thinking about this in the remaining time. What does it mean to make God your portion? Is there any kind of hows that we can address from here? Well, the first, the first point here is, is essentially, if he is your portion, then you have to feed on him. You know, if, if God is what's on your plate, 
and feed on him. Enjoy. Enjoy him. It's like Jesus said, didn't he? You know, anyone who drinks of the water that I give will never be thirsty again. Never be thirsty. What a promise. What a promise that is. We have we, we have Jesus and we will never thirst for anything else again. We will be provided for. We will be secure. We will have all of our needs met. So feeding on him and, and very practically. What about making God your first and last thought? When you, when you get up in the morning when your alarm goes on. What about the first thing? To say good morning to God. You know, to, to, to talk to him. To invite him fresh in. To, to start thanking him. Even as you're getting up and having a shower, whatever it is. And again, at night, as you go to sleep, what about your last thought? Just being, settling yourself in God's presence. Don't even have to use words, but it's just, you know, that, that's a simple thing. I think sometimes we can just walk around carrying a lot of guilt for stuff. We feel like we've messed up. We feel like we haven't quite done it. And so there's just that estrangement can come in. And so there's, there's, there's kind of a wedge that sometimes we put between God. And I think one of the biggest threats here is condemnation. So another point is don't allow condemnation to get in. The Bible's promise is very, very simple. If you sin, confess your sins, turn back to God, he will restore you. He will love you. Return to his rest. Re-enter his rest. It really is as simple as that. We're not perfect. We will mess up. We will do things wrong. We will let that loose word hurt someone that we didn't expect. But we will slip up in various ways. We will make mistakes. He doesn't want us to be perfect. He just wants us to come back to him and be in relationship with him. So, so feed on him. And, and, and David says here in verse 8, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. So I guess it's kind of doing whatever that it takes to, to, to do that throughout your day, cultivating that, 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 that relationship with God. You know, sometimes you're busy, sometimes you're occupied, sometimes you're actually doing tasks, you're working, or whatever you're doing. Sometimes it's mundane, but God is in that. We can know God everywhere and anywhere. Another thing is, is praying and fasting. Um, you know, fasting has got to do with our physical appetites, hasn't it? So if, if maybe... You know, you're struggling to really make God your portion, or you're, or you're actually thinking, yeah, but am I really satisfied with God? Sometimes fasting can be a practice that strips stuff away and that actually helps you to come back to that source in a very practical way. Um, Lent's coming up in a few weeks, a couple of weeks, if, if you, you know, kind of follow church calendars and things like that. But, but just, why, why don't you talk to God about that? And, um, you know, don't fast just because I've said or because I've suggested it, but, but it is something that is a real blessing, actually, and is something that, that really helps us, particularly in this whole pursuit of a deeper relationship with God. We don't fast and pray because we want stuff, because we want outcomes. We just can do it just to see God, and just because we want Him, because we want Him. So do whatever you need to do to cultivate that contentment. And celebrate the inheritance he has given you. And I suppose the other sort of... Oh yeah, this, I was just going to share this with you. It's just a little thing. Which is another point about using scripture. I've got this up in my kitchen. 
Um, I did this a while ago. It's just a load of scriptures about about how, as when we have God, we don't lack any. We lack nothing. So, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Um, I always used to think that was funny when we sang it at school when I was a kid because I, I didn't hear the comments. So I used to hear, "The Lord's my shepherd. I won't want." Like, "The Lord's my shepherd. I won't want him." Like <laughs> that was how my little brain understood. I was like, "Why are we saying this? This is strange." And then I realised. I'll not want as a separate clause. I will lack nothing because God is my shepherd. Psalm 34, fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Those who seek the Lord lack nothing. Those who give to the poor lack nothing. You do not lack any spiritual gift, Paul says to the Corinthians. God will meet all your needs, he says in Philippians 4. His divine power has given us everything we need, 2 Peter 1, 3, etc. I mean, just stuff like that. Like, there's loads of verses that just remind us. We don't. If we have God, we lack nothing. We have that security. And we have everything we need. So the final point, I guess, is, is just feed from that one plate, and that's enough. So don't seek any possession or comfort outside of God and this is probably if we're honest the the hard one because there's a lot of plates out there there's a lot of portions there's a lot of things that draw our attention there's a lot of different things that make us think oh yeah I could nourish myself here I could go here I could do that and that's something we need to be careful of because the world has many distractions many things that can lure us and offer us security but it's never the security that God gives in, um, in the psalm here David says verse 4 those who run after other gods will suffer more and more I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips so it's, that, it's that heart of of single-heartedness towards God. And that's t- that is really difficult, let's be honest. You know, we're not very good at that, are we, as humans? <laughs> Maybe some are. I'm certainly not. Maybe some are more than others. But this is what God's Spirit in us can help us to do, to, to, to be faithful, to remain faithful, and to, to keep God before us, to keep feasting off Him. In Jeremiah 10, 15, 16, the prophet writes, Idols are worthless, the objects of mockery. When their judgment comes, they will perish. But he who is the portion of Jacob is not like these. For he is the maker of all things, including Israel, the people of his inheritance. The Lord Almighty is his name. Why would we want an idol when we've got a creator of all things and we've got a source of ultimate love and goodness? So don't draw security from anywhere else. Don't feed from any other plate. Now, there's an obvious bad list here, isn't there? There's obvious things that can give us full security that we know are bad, like substance abuse, sex, um, materialism, careerism. We sort of know those things are obviously the kind of things that are going to perhaps draw us away from God, those things can be idols. 
But there is also a subtle bad list that can sometimes seem good um, as well. And, and all of these things are, are things that God has given and we can enjoy them and thank him for them. But if they become idols, if, we, if we're getting our security really in our hearts from these things, that's where we need to be careful. So I'll read a list now which might be a little bit more close to the bone. Having a nice home. Financial stability. Salary. Pension. Now these are not bad things. These are not idols in themselves. They're not bad. It's not bad to have these things. But if you are, if those things become your portion, if those things are suddenly something that you're actually getting your security from, then, then you've lost some of that security and some of that rest in God because you're going to start to worry about those things. Because those things can change. You know, financial markets can change, pension plans can change, mortgages can change, jobs can change. So it's going to be a source of anxiety. Whereas if you are getting your portion from God and you're holding those things lightly and they're in their rightful place in your life, house, car, even relationships, spouse, friends, they do, we can thank God for these things, we can enjoy and celebrate them, but they don't meet our deepest need for security. And the thing is, if God is our portion, we can travel light in this world. And we can feed on the world that's to come, because that's when we know we're going to meet Jesus. Look at how David finishes the psalm in, 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 in um, 9 to 11. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This is the ultimate inheritance that we know because of Jesus. That if we make God our portion, that's something that will never go. will never go away even though we walk through death. We will still know God as our portion for eternity. He is our inheritance and that, that internal inheritance, it really is something that feeds us and that enables us to even hold our own lives lightly. And of course this passage, um, we've been looking through the first few chapters of Acts in, in cluster groups. This is something that Peter quotes from uh, when he's preaching on Pentecost. Approach from this psalm, doesn't he? He picks up on this theme and says, you know, this is messianic, this is Jesus. So, you know, Jesus didn't decay. God did not let his body decay. He rose him back to, rose him back to life. And so we can also have the same, same hope.